0: advances our or adversity is advanced advances the gospel and when we're going through adversity and we saw the adversity that the Apostle Paul was going through how he encouraged the church at Philippi hey even though there's the suffering even though there, even though there is this adversity the gospel is still going forward and God's mission and God's kingdom are still advancing and we ended that two-part message uh, looking at verse number 20 looking at Paul's eager expectation and his hope in the middle of that adversity. We saw how the phrase eager expectation means to watch with your head outstretched. It means to wait in suspense and with anticipation. We saw how it's uh, throughout the New Testament that phrase is used to describe the way we as Christians await our final salvation. And Paul believed to the core of who he was that whether he lived or whether he died, Christ was going to be honored. Paul believed that with everything in him. And this week, I want to start back in verse number 20, and I want us to consider as we move through the text this morning, how does a person get to the point where they can courageously face the unknown and honor Christ this way? Paul didn't know if he was going to live or he was going to die, but he said, I have this eager expectation with all courage that whether I live or die, Christ is going to be highly honored. And the truth we're going to see from our text this morning is that Christ is most highly honored in me when I value Christ above all else. Christ is most highly honored in me when I value Christ above all else. So let's ponder this question together this morning. What do I value more than anything else? The great passion of Paul, and I pray our great passion, is to honor Christ in every aspect of our lives. This means that we care more about the glory of Christ than we do our own glory, and when we do, we honor Jesus above everything. Paul's going to show us that this way of thinking and living produces boldness in us so that we can wholeheartedly live and follow Jesus Christ no matter what the ramifications may be because we don't fear those ramifications anymore because we honor Christ and we value Christ above all else. It produces boldness in us to face even the end of our lives with joy and a longing for home. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to wrap up Philippians chapter number 1 and begin working through chapter uh, number two on the twenty-six. Uh, but the passage that we're going to look at here this morning is chapter one verses 20 through 26 and this is one of the more well-known passages in Philippians and I'm excited to dig into it I'm almost, also a little nervous to dig into it because it is such a well-known passage so if you have a bible and I hope you do let's turn to Philippians chapter number one I'm going to read all of chapter number one for us to give us the context we will do that next week and then on the 26th we will start reading through chapter number two This is our sixth time reading through all of chapter number one together, so I hope you're still with me as we are doing this every week. Let's read, and then I will pray, and then we will jump into our message this morning. Philippians chapter number one, verse number one says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When we started this message, we saw how What that means is God our Father is giving us grace and peace with all his love and his care and his affection. And it's backed up by all the authority Jesus has as Lord that God has given him. Verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day all the way back in Acts 16 until now, he says. I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it's right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. So that you may approve the things that are superior and be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. We looked at that last week. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, Paul says. Yes, I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by our opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now here that I have. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint your word this morning. I'll admit, there's a part of me that's very intimidated about preaching this message because Paul had this burning desire that Christ would be honored above all else in his life because... Paul saw, Paul believed, Paul knew the magnificence of Jesus. And Lord, my mere words can never convey your magnificence or your worth or why you are worthy of so much honor, why you are worthy of us as your followers giving you everything in our lives. And so I pray that your spirit would do this morning what my mere words cannot. I pray that your word would challenge us to live like Christ. Christ, to view our lives as living is Christ. I pray that your word would challenge us to not even fear death itself because to die is gain. Lord, I pray that your word would comfort us, that we would see how worthy and beautiful and magnificent you are. I ask this in your name. Amen. As we start our study this morning, I want us to zone in on on three verses as we begin. In verse number 20, Paul says that whether he lives or dies, Christ is going to be highly honored. And then in verse 21, he explains why he believes Christ will be highly honored with this short yet powerful sentence, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. In the original Greek, there was no is, so originally when he wrote this, it would have read, for me to live, Christ. For me to die, gain. He said it, and he wrote this in a very emphatic way, for me to live Christ, for me to die. Gain. Then, in verses 22 through 26, Paul unpacks what he means in verse 21. He explains how and why Christ will be honored in His dying. He explains how and why Christ will be honored in His living. So, first of all, let's unpack our first thought this morning. The the title of our message is very simply, "Christ be honored." Christ. Be honored. And so how is Christ going to be honored, our first thought this morning, in our dying? Christ be honored in our dying. In verses 21 and 23, Paul almost seems a little calloused or cavalier about his dying, doesn't he? I mean, on the surface, he he almost seems like he's being a little outlandish. I mean, here is this church that's concerned for him. The Philippians have heard about his suffering. They know his predicament. They know he's facing death, and they're concerned, so they sent this offering to him. They're concerned about him. They're fervently praying for them. And then he writes back and says, I think I'd rather die. I mean, that that, that would be better. I mean, come on, Paul. (laughs) I mean, it almost reminds me of Porky the Pig from Looney Tunes, saying, that's all, folks. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Paul, your life is hard, but I mean, come on, you're the Apostle Paul. I mean, is Paul being suicidal? Is Paul being morbid here? No. How could Paul, though, look at the possibility of dying and write what he writes in verse 20? I just want Christ to be highly honored. How could Christ be shown to be magnificent by Paul's death? The reason Paul knew that knowing Christ was better than anything else. Paul knew. Knowing Christ is better than anything else. And so to help us understand what Paul means here, to get us, help us get a vision of what Paul sees here, I want us to zone in on the phrase that he uses in verse 23. He says, I long to depart. Green culture that was used to describe a ship setting loose from its moorings. It signifies to set sail or to be put to sea, to depart. Now, what's interesting about this word is it's only, other used, it's only used in one other place in the New Testament, in Luke 12, 36, and it's actually translated as return. And so what we see here is Paul says, death, it's just returning home. Yes, there is a leaving element. Yes, I am departing, but it's leaving to return to where I rightfully belong. It's departing to go home he views death as i'm setting sail and i'm leaving this world and i'm going to find myself in the presence of my savior leaving this world means we get to experience the glory of god in ways that we never imagined paul is using a beautiful metaphor here he's painting this tremendous picture for us he says i long to depart and be with jesus i long to set sail and leave this world so i can be in the most immediate presence of my savior Paul isn't viewing death as this stark and abrupt end to his life. He's viewing it as sailing home to a far better place. And it's not just that it's a better place. It's that I get to go to a better place and be with Christ. I get to go be with Jesus. When Paul says he longs to depart, what he's saying he wants is he wants more immediate fellowship with Jesus. He's longing for more immediate enjoyment of his Savior. He wants to be at home with Christ. He's yearning to experience that moment where his faith becomes sight. When Paul says, I long to depart, he's saying, I want more joy. I want more satisfaction. I want more pleasure. I want more everything that is good because everything that is good in this life comes from Jesus. Paul says being at home with Jesus is far better than anything this world can offer. That is why Paul can say to die is gain. It's more immediate enjoyment of the one who shed his blood for me. So here's the argument Paul's making. He's saying if I experience death as gain, recognizing that it's better to be at home with the Lord, then Christ is honored, Christ is magnified in my death. When I view it as I am sailing home to a far better place to be with my Lord and Savior, that is how Christ is magnified in our death. Christ is most highly honored in us when we value Christ above all else. I mean, consider what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. So we are always confident, and we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We would prefer to be away. Therefore, he says, whether we are at home or we are away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. Jesus is so glorious that Paul wanted to be with him more than me. He couldn't wait for the joy of that moment. He couldn't wait for the celebration of that moment. I mean, consider what David said in Psalm 63. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So i will bless you as long as i live at your name i will lift up my hands david said lord the love that you have for me your faithful love is better than even my own life think about how amazing god is church think about how amazing his love is think about that faithful love that faithful mercy the covenant that he has made guaranteeing our eternal home, rescuing us from sin, creating us to be a new and holy people. When we stop and consider all that God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ and all that he is doing through us, through the person of the Holy Spirit, how can we be anything but overwhelmed? When we consider the majesty and the beauty of Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, how could we not be anything but overwhelmed? See, the reason we fear death is because we fear all that we would lose in our dying. But when we recognize the all-surpassing worth and beauty of Jesus, we too can, like Paul, say, "To depart and be with Christ is far better." When we value Christ above all else, we will want Christ above all else. This Wednesday, we um, had our prayer and worship night, and. One of the songs we sang is Lord from Sorrow's Deep I Call. Uh, It's based off one of the Psalms. And as we were singing this song Wednesday night, the lyrics of the third verse really hit me. And I wanted to share them with you this morning. I won't sing it, I'll spare you all of that. Um, But the, the song says Should my life be torn from me, every worldly pleasure, when all I possess is grief, God be then my treasure. Be my vision in the night, be my hope and refuge. Till my faith is turned to sight, Lord, my heart will praise you. See, the truth is, church, God is our treasure even when we, all we possess is grief. Even when we have lost everything that we hold dear in this life, when it has all been stripped away, God is still our treasure, and because of that, our hearts can still praise him. Christ is more satisfying than all that we lose in death. That's why Paul could say to die is gain. And the truth is, Christians, we can endure with hope because this war will soon be over. And then we will see him. We will be with him. And being with him is far better than anything we can ever imagine in this world. Death is not the end. This is why Paul could say to die is gain, to depart is far better. Because I am just sailing home. Now, while this is our great hope, Well, this is our confident expectation that we look forward to, and we wait for that moment with anticipation, this is not what God is calling us to in this moment. say, Pastor Nick, how do you know that? Well, for starters, we're all sitting here breathing, right? Okay, so this isn't what God is calling us to right now. We're all still here. This reality doesn't simply enable us to face our death well, although it 100% does. This reality also enables us to live with boldness. Let's revisit some of those verses we read earlier. 2 Corinthians five nine. Therefore, whether we are home or away, in that passage, Paul said it's better to be away. It's better to be at home with the Lord. But whether we're at home or away, he said, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. We make it our aim to honor Him with the way we live our lives. Psalm sixty three verses three and four. Your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. A few weeks ago, we looked at the story about Jim Elliot. And how after his martyrdom, his wife and many others went back to the tribe that had killed their loved ones and led them to Christ. Uh, Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth Elliot, wrote in her book, Shadow of the Almighty. She said, is the distinction between living for Christ and dying for him so great? Is not the second the logical conclusion of the first? You see, the truth is, this reality that to die is gain is what partly enables our next thought this morning And yes, it's our desire that Christ be honored in our dying, but it's also our desire that Christ be honored in our living. And because Christ is so magnificent, and he is so much better than anything this world can offer, we can, with boldness, with all courage, like he says in verse 20, live to honor him in every aspect of our lives. For me to live is Christ. This confidence has to be with Jesus is far better than anything in this life enables us to live with boldness, That confidence enables me to live with conviction. Paul could live with such courage because he knew the end of his life would usher him into the presence of Christ. It's like Paul is saying, I'm going to give everything in my life to Jesus. I'm going to live with reckless courage and abandon and zeal for the glory of his name. What's the worst they can do to me? Kill me? He's like, you kill me, I get to go be with Jesus. You let me live, I get to proclaim his name. You're going to persecute me? Then I rejoice because I get to suffer like my Savior. I mean, what an unstoppable faith. When we value Christ above all else and we make it our aim to honor him, no matter what, life becomes the ultimate win-win. So let's look at what does Paul mean when he says to live Christ. It means we live with the single focus of honoring Christ. Paul told us in Colossians 3-4 that Christ is our life. Christ is our everything. Paul's entire life was Christ living in him. This means when Christ is living his life through us, this means our lives look like they would look if Jesus was living them. What would it look like for Jesus to work at your job? What would it it look like for Jesus to parent your children, to parent my children? What would it look like to love your spouse? What would it look like for Jesus to serve the people that are in your life? When Jesus got a hold of Paul, Paul forsook everything because in Jesus is, all the hidden, is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus surpasses everything. And so how is Christ highly honored in our body by life? It looks like total surrender to him. It's like, Christ, whatever you want, I'm just your vessel. Here I am. Use me. Work through me. Encourage people through me. Grow other people's faith through me. Look at verse 22. Paul says, now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. He says in verse 24 of our text, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. What is the fruitful work for Paul? To help the church at Philippi progress, uh, to grow in their progress and joy in the faith. So that because of his coming to them again, their boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. When Paul says to live as Christ, he's saying Christ is the one working through him producing fruitful work. He said this in Galatians 2.20, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. A life of faith, a life of fruitful labor is the result of a life that is totally satisfied with Christ because of all Christ has done for him. And total satisfaction with God leads to wholehearted obedience. It leads to holiness. It leads to spreading the gospel. It leads to discipling. It leads to whatever it is that God calls you to. To live is Christ. My life is just a vessel for Jesus Christ to work through. And when we value Christ above all else, obedience becomes a delight. This is fruitful work that God does through us. And this fruitful work that Christ was doing in and through the Apostle Paul was helping the Philippians grow in their faith. Remember back in verse number 11, Paul was praying that the Philippians would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, now what we're seeing is Paul was partly the answer to his own prayer. Funny how that works sometimes, isn't it? Christ worked through Paul to benefit the Philippians' faith. The fruitful labor of Paul led to the fruit of righteousness coming to fruition in their lives. Paul was helping them grow in their faith. This fruitful work is discipleship. This is a life of serving others for the betterment of their faith. This is why Paul says to remain was better for them. This is necessary for your sake, the Apostle Paul says. And verse 25 shows us that real progress in our faith always results in real joy in our faith. Growing closer to Jesus always results in more genuine joy. Because the closer we get to him, the more we value him over everything else. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. As we grow in our faith, we become more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we become, the more he is glorified in us. And the more he is glorified in us, the more joyful we become because his glory increasingly becomes our priority. Again, it's the ultimate win-win. Paul wants the Philippians to make much of Jesus because of his ministry he wants to help them grow in their faith which helps them experience more joy in Christ this means ministering to others so they can glorify or honor Christ more and more and more when we are overwhelmed by Christ and fully surrender to him this is the fruitful work that Christ does through us Paul has explained his ministry to the Corinthians this way 2nd Corinthians 1 24 I do not mean that we lord it over your faith but we are workers with you for your joy because you stand firm in your faith. Growing to be more like Jesus always produces more joy in Jesus. So discipleship is really just a fight for genuine spirit-filled joy. Christ is honored when we live to make him known. And we do this by helping others know him and grow in him. And what I love about this passage is you see Paul's selfless nature. In verse 23, he says he's torn between these two decisions. It's like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. I mean, we can see how that being with Christ would be so much better, and that's what Paul really desires. But he knows it's not his time yet, and God still has work for him to do. In verse 25, he says he is persuaded that he needs to stay, and he knows that he will remain because God still had ministry for him to do. He knows that his future ministry towards these people was going to cause them to give God the glory. Look at verse 26. So that because of my coming to you again, you're boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Paul's saying, I still want my ministry to cause you to give God glory and more glory and more glory that it may abound, that it may grow. When we minister to others to help them enjoy Jesus more, God is glorified. I mean, what a model Paul is giving us in our me first culture. Culture constantly tells us put you first, put you first, put you first. And here Paul is just selflessly saying, I'm giving my life so that others can know Jesus. Paul knew that living for Jesus meant serving others. Christ is honored in our living when we selflessly work to help others know and enjoy Christ. When our heartbeat, our genuine desire is that they would grow in their faith. I mean, this affects everything. This affects our marriages. This affects our parenting. This affects the way we interact with our neighbors and our coworkers. I mean, list any relationship in your life, and this heartbeat, this desire to live is Christ. It breeds new ministry life into it. Sometimes this looks like formal organized discipleship. Oftentimes it's just informal. Me pouring my life into you so that you can honor and glorify God. You pouring your life into me so that I can honor and glorify God in the way I live. Christ is honored in our living when we selflessly work to help others know and enjoy Jesus. Christ is most highly honored in us when we value Christ above all else. And there is only one way to live a life worth living and a death worth dying, and that is to look to the one who conquered death and gave us his life. What an unstoppable way to live. Church, I want to remind us that living and dying for Christ is worth it because Christ is worth it nothing can compare to his supreme worth. And I know sometimes in our living for Christ, we get tired, and we get weary, and we get worn out, and we we wonder if it's worth it. Even John the Baptist struggled with that. He's in jail, and he sends one of his followers, hey, can you go ask Jesus to make sure he's really the Messiah? Even John the Baptist, who Jesus, after he was doubting, said, no one's greater than John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist got tired and worn out with the struggle. But I want to remind us that while there may be times when we get weary, there is great worth in living for Jesus because Jesus is worth it. If you're weary and you've received wounds, you've been hurt in this conflict, if your faith has suffered damage, if your hope is less than bright this morning, church, I want to encourage us to lift your eyes and behold your King. Lift your eyes and behold the majesty of Christ. Be refreshed in his presence, weary warriors, so that you can rise again and fight the good fight of faith. We are advancing his kingdom. We're advancing his kingdom in our jobs. We're advancing his kingdom in our schools, in our families, in our city, and around the world. This thing called the Christian life is not just this cool thing we do on Sunday. We are warriors, and God has called us to advance his kingdom. We are living for the king of kings. We are fighting for dignity. We are fighting for nobility. We are living our lives for Jesus. What a, there's no better way to be spent than living a life saying, no matter where God puts me, I'm living to make his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So church, let me encourage us. Let's lift up our eyes. Let's lift up our heads. Let's look to our savior because he is worthy. There's no greater joy than knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that our hearts would recognize how amazing you are. I pray that your spirit would reveal in us how good you are. I pray that your spirit would reveal in us how amazing you are.